reaching the fault lines of today. Welcome to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. And it's Dr. Zudi Jasser back for another episode of Reform This on the Blaze Podcast Network. Find us at theblaze.com backslash podcasts and thank you for coming back. If you've listened before, if you're new, I hope you're looking for an American Muslim patriot, a informed voice that takes on the topics that, you know, that mainstream media just shies away from or when they do touch it, unfortunately give voice to one monolithic form of Islam, which is the Islamists, the Brotherhood Sympathizers, the Sympathizers with Theocratic Islam. And here we try to cover, I try to cover the topics week to week that not only you don't hear elsewhere, but give you a fresh perspective, an informed perspective from within the Muslim community, one that rejects political Islam. And uh, this week is not want, like any week, for topics to talk about. I'm going to spend most of the time talking to you about gaslighting. Uh, How does that apply to this? Well, I've learned about gaslighting and heard this term used, and I, I can't tell you how it fits the Islamists. I also want to start by talking about what happened uh, in the Canadian world of politics. I think there's a lot to to learn about in that and uh, maybe a few other things. So let's dive right into it. This week, as Raheel Raza writes at the Clarion Project, Canadian Conservative Party rejected a Muslim reformer. You know, we started our Muslim reform movement in 2015. It was a culmination of contacts and a network of uh, organizations, individuals across the West, from Phoenix here to Chicago and uh, Washington and New York and Toronto, Montreal, Denmark, Britain, elsewhere. Reformers that each had small organizations that uh, began to take on the Islamist establishment. And one of those people I was blessed to get to know uh, in some of this work was uh, Salim Mansour. He's a professor, has written a lot of books about Islam and political Islam, and uh, some of the folks uh, that um, were part are part of the reform movement, uh, as Raheel writes about, that a lot of what she learned about conservatism, she learned from reading Salim's books. Nobody who knows Salim believes that uh, he doesn't differentiate between political Islam or Islamism and his faith of Islam as a father, as a family man as a devout Muslim. Why do I say that? Well, he retired from his professorship and decided to run as a candidate for the conservative party. And some may say, well, there's a lot of Muslims running for candidacy. Yeah. And we've seen some conservatives in America. I know of one. We'll talk about him possibly in a minute. But bottom line is is that most of them have been part of the identity left the uh, Ilhan Omars Rashida Tlaibs Keith Ellisons Andre Carsons uh, the the Islamists that have been bred and engineered to use their muslim identity as a racial flag as a um as a identifying ident rather as as simply a skin deep identity rather than necessarily having any ideology as they run for any ide- run from any ideological questions while using their muslim identity as a shield for many critical thinking 
And we'll get to some of those specifics rather than staying generic. But what was amazing is that, as Raheel talks about here, if you ever wanted to know about Canadian politics and history, Canadian values, the distinction between Islam and Islamism, Salim Mansour was your man. And Mansour announced his candidacy for the Conservative Party of Canada last September in his electoral district, London North Centre. And yet, she notes that she was disappointed and troubled by the breaking news that his nomination had been disallowed by the National Candidate Selection Committee of the Canadian Conservative Party, the CPC. Disallowed. So I guess, I don't know enough about the internal workings of Canadian politics, but I guess when you vie for a candidacy, you have to be allowed by the party leadership to place that candidacy. They can prevent it by simply fiat power. While no specific reason was mentioned in the correspondence sent to Mansour, a respected and trusted member of the Canadian Conservative Party, they informed him that the party was concerned, listen to this, ladies and gentlemen, concerned that his writings and presentations against Islamism and radical Muslims could be painted by opposing parties as Islamophobic. A devout Muslim dedicated to countering radical Islam would be painted as Islamophobic. So the conservatives, I'm not talking about the left or Trudeau's lackeys and his uh, uh, marijuana smoking, uh, um, you know, interfaith socks wearing radicals are the ones. No, no, they're working with the Islamists. They've propped up the Islamic Society of North America, Canada branch, they've propped up the apologists and the Brotherhood Defenders, the ones that hand $10 million to Omar Khadr, a terrorist who killed an American, served 10 years or 13, I don't know how many he served, but then leaves prison to be paid $10 million and now is doing the talk show circuit in Canada teaching Canadians about his peaceful Islam and his come to whatever moment. No, that's okay for the left to do. They're not worried about association with terrorist sympathizing organizations or association with Islamist groups and the, the conveyor belts and pools that are the fertilization ground of radical Islam. No, they're worried the conservatives, because of this milieu that the left has created, appears to bend bending over backwards to make sure that not only do they kowtow to the political correctness of the left and the apologia for radical Islam and political Islam, but they are now preventing patriotic Muslims who love Canada, who love Western values, but reject theocrats from running. And I have to tell you, as I tweeted out, if conservatives don't have the spine to allow the candidacy to allow, in quotation marks, allow, I, I, I don't even understand the Canadian system. The candidacy of pro-Western Muslims, while Islamists are running roughshod on the left, we are doomed. We're doomed. And as Raheel says, we're finished. Because these political platforms are part of, you know, listen, I, I, I have to say as much as you can minimize the importance of politicians and religious reform, uh, you look at those who've effected change, ultimately the national conversation 90% of the time is obsessed with the political machinery of this country and the Western countries. And ultimately, if you want to achieve change, you're going to have to enter that 
area. That's why I've testified to Congress multiple times. That's why I spend some time in Washington, New York, and L.A. and the main media centers and political centers, because ultimately, if you're not at the table, you're going to be eaten. And that's what's happening to reformers. They're trying to get at the table. Salim receives this letter. Now, he says he's going to talk later. Right now, he did a very classy response in which he said at this point he'll continue to work with the Canadian Conservative Party to see how he can help, and he'll come out with some responses later. But the fact that Raheel says that his candidacy is disallowed is not only a loss for the party itself, but it's a gain for the Islamists and the radicals. If the Canadian party waffles on its own core principles, then they'll never win the hearts and minds of Canadians. We've been let down by our own, she said. Here's his response. I'm disappointed with the CPC disallowing my candidacy, yet hopeful conservatives will persevere. I'll have more to say about this in my role in the 2019 elections. Thanks to all for the love and support. This setback won't derail me to help rescue our Canada from Islamism and globalism. So, I think ultimately it's a time for reflection, ladies and gentlemen, especially for those of us in America, is where are we headed? What is this message? What is this telling us about where we are? The forces against us are piling up. Qatar, the mothership for the brotherhood, is now deploying its assets like never before in Washington and New York, trying to get its lobby to do more. We just had a courageous congressman here in the United States, Congressman Jack Bergman, who wrote a fantastic piece. I'd ask you to find it and read it. He talked about the mask being taken off on Qatar. The mask being taken off. And sure enough, within days, he gets a letter from D.L.A. Piper, a Beltway Bandit, Beltway Bandit PR firm, signed by Ignacio Sanchez. He emailed him on June 5, telling him, I'm reaching out to you with respect to your op-ed published by Congressman Bergman and the Washington Examiner concerning Al Jazeera. Our firm represent Al Jazeera, and we wanted, that was his misspelling, we wanted to provide you with information concerning some significant factual and legal errors, errors in your piece. And out of respect for the congressman, we would want to provide that information to you before going to the paper. And we'll be happy to come to see you or the congressman anytime today. It is important that we address this today, and we don't want to let inaccuracies linger the headline of the piece was the mask drops at Al Jazeera. And he outlined Qatari funded outlets, the Qatari funded outlets routine dissemination of anti-Semitism, including a recent case of Holocaust denial and argued in favor of requiring it to register under FARA, the Foreign Agent Registration Act. As I've said, you know, listen, I think CARE should register as FARA. I think all of these organizations that get foreign funding, that part of that funding should register as FARA especially when those countries are not our allies. Yes, we have a base at Qatar, but come on. The ideology of, of uh, the Qataris is an anathema to American ideologies. 
They are in bed with the likes of theocratic supremacists, Islamist supremacists, Yusuf al-Qardawi. Look at his Holocaust denial, his endorsement of terrorism in Iraq and Israel and elsewhere. This is a genocidal Islamist who has ideas that are incompatible with American ideas, and yet he's influenced many in the West. And I think Al Jazeera should go the same way as El Manar. El Manar was a television outlet of Hezbollah. And Hezbollah, when it was identified as a terrorist organization and part of the Iranian sanctions, in right after 9-11, I was part of a movement then in 2005 and 2006 that we signed on to. And thanks to many of the leading think tanks in Washington, including FDD, Washington Institute, and others, El Menar was removed from some of the major Western satellite dishes, satellite purchases. However, it works through uh, some of the international purchasing of broadcasting systems in which the SATCOMs that provided and housed, I think one of them was French, that uh, allowed El Manar to broadcast, shut it down and refused to allow it, and it turned it off to the West. Now, certainly El Manar continues its broadcast to radicalize Muslims through Iran, Syria, Lebanon, and elsewhere, but the bottom line is, is that that was a victory, and El Jazeera is no democratic arm as it claimed to be during the Arab awakening as revolution swept across the Middle East. Al Jazeera might have talked about democracy, but it was about political Islam. It was about majoritocracy. As we saw in Egypt when the Brotherhood came to power, it became worse than Mubarak. It took away the rights to minorities. It took away the rights to women. It enshrined political Islam and the theocrats as ruling a, a country that was, yes, under Mubarak and under Nasser and said that before him, it was a military dictatorship, an autocracy. But as I've argued before, Islamist theocrats are no different. If anything, they're worse because they have global hegemonic desires that many of these local dictators do not. And yes, internally, they're just as bad. The local dictators are genocidal and will do anything to stay in power, be it Assad, Saddam Hussein, Gaddafi, Mubarak, or any of these dictators. But we have to be able to understand the difference ideologically between the movements. If you're Qatar, part of the Muslim Brotherhood fuel, you have a desire to oversee the hegemonic victory of the caliphate of political Islam through the OIC, the Organization of Islamic Cooperation. Now, the OIC has got its divisions now, and uh, certainly Qatar is not cheering on the OIC based in, and based in Riyadh with Saudi Arabia running it, but Turkey wants to see its own neo-Ottomanism, and uh, it's beginning to work closely with the Islamist-running governments, and the three main countries with Islamist-running governments are Qatar, Iran and Turkey. So, back to Congressman Bergman. They're trying to intimidate him, trying to intimidate him to to meet before. And I think hats off to him for publicizing this letter that he received, this email. And it's all intimidation. They're seriously going to get a congressman to apologize for an op-ed that was expertly written with information about the the reason rationally why Qatar should be listed as a 
why Al Jazeera should be listed as a foreign agent registration act as it broadcasts in the United States. And CNN, by the way, when it brings on people like Mahdi Hassan, should have under it a qualifying disclaimer that this expert on American politics and Muslim politics is paid by the Qatari government. He's an Al Jazeera commentator and yet is appearing on CNN all the time. Doesn't say anything about his relationship to Qatar, even though they pay his primary paycheck. Bergman's response was priceless. He said, foreign state-sponsored media outlets in the United States by definition transmit a varying degree of propaganda-infused news products to the American public. By the way, this same argument is uh, happening with RT, Russian television. And I think, actually, I haven't looked it up, but I think they're also on their way to being registered as fair, if not already. I think they may have already had to do that. As we are both aware Bergman said Al Jazeera is owned by the Emirate of Qatar. As such, pursuant to last year's National Defense Authorization Act, it is required to register and outline the true scope of its interactions with its foreign principal to the FCC. Let me ask, have you or your firm, DLA Piper, registered to represent Qatar on its media outlet, Al Jazeera, under the Foreign Agency Registration Act, as required by law? Bergman's office asked. And by the way, thanks to the free beacon, Adam Credo, who put this out and and uh, uh, wrote about this as this is such an important news piece. You have represented, as Bergman said, several foreign entities. So you are doubtless familiar with this process. If you are representing Qatar, he says this at DLA Piper, you have a legal obligation to register on their behalf. Maybe you've already done so and the filing has not yet appeared online. Our office is deeply troubled by your message, which seemed to be a heavy-handed attempt to intimidate a member of Congress to advance the interest of a foreign government that promotes Islamic extremism and anti-Semitism. If you want us to correct something, send us what you think should be corrected. As he says, basically meetings are a waste of time. If you're sending me a cease and desist letter on behalf of a foreign client, not to mention one with as much incitement anti-Semitism and pro-Islamist rhetoric as usually appears in a client's airwaves, it is extremely concerning. Sanchez maintained that Al Jazeera was not controlled by Qatar. <laughs> what? Unbelievable, the level of suspension of belief necessary to, to even listen to these people. And then he claimed that the, the report to be filed with the FCC does not apply to Al Jazeera media network as they do not do most, as they do not to most other foreign media outlets, according to Sanchez, who offered to meet with the lawmaker to discuss the issue. So, you know, listen, as he ends his piece, the Qataris fund think tanks and media outlets that undermine American foreign policy debate, and now they're trying to intimidate sitting lawmakers. So, and Al Jazeera refused to respond to Free Beacon's requests. You know, I think there's a lot to be learned here, ladies and gentlemen. And 
Um, you know, you look at a conservative Muslim wanting to run for office, and he was disallowed. I don't even understand how he can be disallowed. And then you see foreign governments like Qatar intimidating day and night. You saw that. I talked to you guys a couple podcasts before about this video that was posted by Al Jazeera Plus, their, their millennial platform. And once they realized how horrific it was, and our organization still has that Holocaust denial video posted on our Facebook page. Take a look at it on my Facebook page, the full video, and we translated it in Arabic. It is a horrific, horrifically anti-Israel, anti-Semitic denial of a lot of the foundational understanding of the history of the Holocaust and what happened. Qatar realized how absurdly grotesque it was and immediately demanded it be immediately removed it but then demanded it be removed from the airways as if it never happened forget the ability that we have in the United States based on our own laws for educational use and purposes to post things so that we may learn from them no just like they like to remove any criticisms of their interpretations of Islam under the Islamophobia construct They wanted to remove that so that they can deny their own radicalism. And we're not going to let them do that. Yeah, they sent me emails to have my Dropbox link removed of the video that I wanted people to be able to download. They sent me threats to have it removed from Twitter, which Twitter responded to and forced me to remove it. But Facebook didn't. Hats off to Facebook. But this is the life today. And where do we go from here if candidates like Salim Mansour cannot run for office? I don't know. There's going to have to be more tests of this because the list of Islamists running, there's easily 20 to 30 candidates in city councils, state houses from Virginia to Michigan to Illinois, Pennsylvania, Arizona, California, that are running and the vast, vast. Now, there are some conservatives. Omar Kudrat in, in uh, San Diego lost but won the Republican nomination, but lost in a district that I believe was heavier Democratic. So uh, I don't think it's a bad sign. I think it's good that he ran. It's good that he won the nomination. Former Homeland Security official that served his country also went to Afghanistan. Good guy, from what I can tell. From what I've heard, seems to be on the right side of most of these issues. I still would like to learn more about his position on political Islam and the Muslim Brotherhood groups. Now, he has been openly critical of care as radicalizers versus anyone that's helping. So, seems to be on the right page as far as I'm concerned, but still more to learn. But bottom line is it was, uh, I think, to those who say that uh, the right is anti-Muslim. I think they love to conflate anti-Islamism with being anti-Muslim. And by the way, the Islamists are doing no favors to making Americans in general comfortable with any political, with any general concept of Muslims or Islam. The Ilhan Omars and Rashida Tlaibs of the world are radicalizing Americans, too, against Islam, against Muslims, because all they see is hate, apologetics for dictators like Maduro and El Erdogan in Turkey and Qatar. And all they see is the only 
governments that these folks stand against are the ones that are against the brotherhood. So if you're an American populist, if you're an American nationalist, I think you can start to understand why, if they're ignorant about Islam and some of the details of our own battles within the House of Islam, how they can quickly, why today, in October 2001, the negative indices for Islam were 33%, which is right after 9-11. And today, in 2019, I think the last study was in 2016 or 17, the negative indices for Islam were over 60%. Because most of those in the establishment with a podium and a mic and bandwidth are Islamists, are, are often, if not most of the time, anti-American. That see the world through a lens colored by a hate for Israel, a hate for Western secularism and an endorsement of a, of a fictitious Islamic state that is not a democracy, but a theocracy, in which the Qur'an is not a source, but the source of law. And you know, the Islamists, if you look at their political mechanisms, they're gaslighting America. You know, I didn't really understand this concept of gaslighting. And friends sent me a, uh, actually posted on, on Twitter a piece on what gaslighting is, and it's sort of my new favorite concept. And psychologists have written about this extensively. And there's a psychologist by the name of Stephanie Sarkis who wrote a book on gaslighting in which she said gaslighting is a tactic in which a person or entity in order to gain more power makes a victim question their reality. It works much better than you may think. As she said, she said that anyone's susceptible to gaslighting, and it's a common technique of abusers, dictators, narcissists, and cult leaders. It's done slowly, so the victim doesn't realize how much they've been brainwashed. For example, in the movie Gaslight, 1944, a man manipulates his wife to the point where she thinks she's losing her mind. In her book, Gaslighting, Recognize Manipulative and Emotional Abusive Behavior and Break Free, details how gaslighters typically use the following techniques. So let's go through them. And I, as I list these, you know, she's writing this from a psychological interpersonal perspective, but you see this happening nationally in our political debate. The left especially has been gaslighting America. The right does it too sometimes. And I push back on that. Because as a Muslim who's fighting for my faith, I see when you see, for example, the right... See, say, say they say, oh, they saw prayer rugs on the border. Okay, yeah, there may be some Islamists, but there may be some Muslims too that just wanted to get out of Mexico and be free. Now, that doesn't make crossing the border illegally right. No, I'm all for the wall. I'm all for better security and letting those who come here come here legally, as my family did, as they awaited asylum. But... It's gaslighting to basically talk about prayer rugs and, 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 and put fear in. Let's go through some of the, the details. Because the left does this 90% of the time with the right rarely doing it. Number one, they tell blatant lies. Gaslighting is about lies. You know it's a lie, yet they're telling you this lie with a straight face. 
They're setting up a precedent. Once they tell you a huge lie, you're not sure if anything they saw is true. Keeping you unsteady and off kilter is the goal. Number two, they deny that they ever said something, even though you have proof. So that's sort of gaslighting is they, 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 they keep, you keep you dodging and weaving and, and you might, they might even realize that you know you're starting to get catch on to them. But you know you heard it and then they out and out deny it. It makes you start questioning your reality. Maybe they never said that thing. And the more they do, the more you question your own reality and you start accepting theirs. So the gaslighting is something that they do repetitively in order to unsettle your entire perspective. That's part of brainwashing. Three, they use what is near and dear to you as ammunition. This is so important. This is the, the racialization of Islam, ladies and, ladies and gentlemen, right? So America, after the civil rights movement, became very sensitive to bigotry, trying to correct its, its historical, abominable treatment of the African-American community, trying to correct that through a, a sense of, now, is bigotry gone? No, there's still enclaves of, and, and some sentiments that are anti-black, anti-Semitic, we're still working through that. But that's become near and dear to our heart to fight that as a, as a culture. So they know how important your kids are to you, for example. And they know how important your identity is to you. So that may be one of the first things they attack. Your Americanism, your family, your children. If you have kids, they tell you that you should not have had those children. They'll tell you you'd be a worthy person if only you didn't have a long list of negative traits. They attack the foundation of your being. They wear, and next, number four, they wear you down over time. It's persistent. The gaslighting is persistent. It's one of the insidious things about gaslighting. It's done gradually over time. A lie here, a lie there, a snide comment every so often starts ramping up. And even the brightest, most self-aware people can be sucked into the gaslighting. It's the frog in the frying pan analogy. The heat's turned up until you don't realize what's happening. Number five, their actions do not match their words. So back to one thing, the frog in the frying pan, right? You see the, the, the millions of immigrants coming into the West, the West losing its identity as it tries to accept the, the basically the huge influx. And to say invasion sounds pejorative, but... This is people coming in without room or resources or cultural homogeny for them to accept Dutch, British, French, German, Italian national identity. And yet they're brought in. That's the, that's the proverbial frog boiling, right? So number six on this gaslighting they throw in positive reinforcement to confuse you so this person cutting you down telling you that you don't have value etc then switches this and says well maybe they aren't so bad maybe you're pretty good maybe you're gonna get better to throw you off kilter also to look at what you're praised for it's probably something that served 
the gas lighter. So the gas lighter needs some things about you and will praise those things. So the Islamists will praise, they'll praise your openness, the bringing, allowing them to come to this country that you truly are at home. But when you criticize the Muslim Brotherhood, and this is a piece that was just written a month ago, that CARE and other organizations said, oh, this should be read by all. It said, to, to call the Muslim Brotherhood a terrorist organization is an attempt to criminalize Islam, is an attempt to criminalize the faith practice of Islam in the West. Seriously? If we want to criminalize Belonging to an organization in Egypt that burns down churches and identifies with ISIS leaders and identifies with radical acts of terror and whose leaders have gone on to run Al-Qaeda in the peninsula and the Arab Peninsula and elsewhere, that that now means we're trying to criminalize Islam in America? Nonsense. The Holy Land Foundation trial and others proved that otherwise. But Sahar Aziz in Texas who writes for alarabi.co.uk says that, oh, no, this is an attempt to criminalize being Muslim. That's BS. That's gaslighting, ladies and gentlemen. And that is, they try to praise you for the things they want you to believe in so that you get endeared to them and then they hit you with the big self-criticism. And then they know confusion weakens people. Right? That's what gaslighting is. Knows that people have a sense of stability and normalcy. Their goal is to uproot and make you constantly question everything. And that's one of the reasons we've had no progress in the war against Islamism, because it's been called violent extremism. It's been this generic this generic name that means nothing. Because it could be anything from drug abuse to gang violence to Islamist violence, but they want to call it generic so that you can stay weakened and confused number eight they project gaslighters project they are a drug user or a cheater yet they constantly accuse you of that so the islamists are dictators they're haters they're they're bigots they truly are bigots they hate the west so they'll project that upon you i can't tell you how 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 key that is this is done so often that you start trying to defend yourself and are distracted from the gaslighter's own behavior. Last, number nine, they try to align people against you. Isn't that what Islamists do? They work with the Farrakhans in the African-American Nation of Islam community. They work with the Women's March, as Linda Sarsour did. They work with Hollywood in the entertainment industry, who's all bent out of shape about hating America and believing that we're the root of all world's problems. They work with far left in the Jewish community that is also defensive about Israel and often hates Israel too. So they will work against the conservative and the conservatives in the Jewish community, like the Republican Jewish Coalition and others as we see groups like Jews for Peace and others that work with the Islamists. There's even a Jewish gentleman who chairs the Care Philadelphia chapter, which is just absurd. Gaslighters are masters at manipulating and finding the people they know will stand by them no matter what, and they use these people against you. They make comments like, this person knows that you're not right, and they continue to divide. 
they tell number 10, I'm sorry, I forgot it was 11. Number 10, they tell you or others that you're crazy. Look at Care's report about me. Splices comments, no quotes at all, and just says, oh, he's just a, or their Facebook page, which nobody owns up to, but it says, Zudi Jaster is a clown and an Uncle Tom. What's the clown thing? It's about craziness. The gaslighter knows if they question your sanity, people will not believe you when you tell them the gaslighter is abusive or out of control. It's a master technique. And lastly, they tell you they tell you everyone else is a liar. That's why the Islamists at CARE will list Mark Levin, Glenn Beck, Sean Hannity, and other people who criticize Islamists. You might not like their politics. That's not what I'm talking to you about. But bottom line is, is Bill Maher, Sam Harris, Richard Hawking, Richard Dawkins, and others. They'll list them as a threat to the community when, in fact, they're also courageously standing up against Islamic ideologues, Islamist ideologues. It's a manipulation technique. It makes people turn the, the gaslighter for the correct information so the Islamists have worked with the left to gaslight America understand gaslighting you know that's my new favorite concept because that's exactly what the hell they're doing ladies and gentlemen we are being gaslit by the Islamists and by especially the left working with the Islamists in that red green axis make it stop start to stand against it start to to understand what's happening when they're being manipulated and at least have a conversation so that we can engage in a debate about Islamism being a precursor of radical Islamism and militant Islamism so you have a debate about how to fight this how to reform does Islam need reform or not how do we reform for universal liberty universal human rights what are the steps we should undertake think about it folks as always it is just fantastic to always get together with you can't wait to have a conversation again with you next week Tell your friends about us. Find us and share. Subscribe on SoundCloud, on iTunes, and at theblazetv.com backslash podcast. It's always great to be with you all. We'll talk next week. God bless. Zudi Jasser on Reform This. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network.